Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Financial Times. We value your feedback. Please go to ft.com slash listen and fill out a short survey for a chance to win a pair of Bose acoustic noise-cancelling headphones. The FT The mass killing and deportation of Armenians from Turkey in 1915, which Turkey denies amounted to genocide, is still a source of global controversy. It hit the headlines again this month when the Pope shocked Ankara by using the word genocide, as did the European Parliament. I'm Fiona Simon, and on the line with me is our correspondent in Istanbul, Dan Dombi, who's recently been visiting Sivas, a town in central Turkey that was once the seat of an Armenian kingdom. Hi, Dan. Why did you go to Sivas? Well, I thought it was important to come to grips with the Armenian story ahead of the anniversary on April 24th of these events in which so many people died. Sivas itself was very important. It was given to an Armenian princeling by a Byzantine emperor almost a thousand years ago, and it became a big center of Armenian civilization. About 100 years ago, there were 150,000 Armenians there, often craftsmen, tradesmen, the artisans of Anatolia. And yet, within two or three years, 90% of that population was gone. And Sivas, because it's right in the middle of the country, right in the middle of the Anatolia, it was actually a hub in the deportation and indeed extirpation of the Armenian population. What does it look like now? I mean, are there any signs of what it once was? Well, Turkey is a country of new buildings. In almost every Turkish town, you're going to see buildings which were built 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 5 years ago, with a few older remains here and there. Sivas is very similar, and so a lot of the city, and indeed country's Ottoman history, has been swept away. There are some Armenian churches left, though. One, I'm afraid, is rather a sorry site, so on a military base, uh, behind barbed wire. One of the people said he'd only set foot there 30 years ago when he was doing his national service, and there'd been holes dug by Turks looking for gold, which they thought the Armenians had left. It was right next to a really very poor little graveyard with uh, gravestones, the cheapest concrete, names chiseled on them. It gave you the sense of a really very reduced community. Of those about 150,000 people there, only 12 or 13 families are left. Why has this issue come up now? Well, the most important thing is that the Armenians remember April the 24th, 1915, as the beginning of what they term the genocide, and the anniversary of that is this Friday. This has been an anniversary that Turkey has been stealing itself for, for some years. Rather strangely, they felt just a few weeks ago that they were going to get through this one relatively unscathed. They thought that because the U.S. had other concerns in terms of greater cooperation with Turkey over ISIS, because the leadership of Congress had moved from Democratic to Republicans, and Republicans were more pragmatic and had fewer Armenian constituencies in California and so on, because France has shifted from Sarkozy to Hollande and a French court has overturned the denial law in France, they felt because of all of these things that the Armenian genocide issue was going to be less pressing for them than it has been in previous years when they've had real tensions with the Americans and with the French. But ahead of this anniversary, we first of all had the Pope really shocking Turkey by using the word genocide. We then had the European Parliament last week ruling that it was genocide. And this Friday, in what will be a first step for Germany, the Bundestag is set to vote on the issue and is very likely also to declare 
that the mass killings of Armenians 100 years ago amounted to genocide. This is not what Turkey wants to hear. Although these killings took place in the dying days of the Ottoman Empire, these are the days that have also caught up with the foundation of Turkey. These are the days that preceded the Turkish Republic, which was formed very much on a nationalist Turkish identity. And the idea that these days are besmirched with genocide is something that Turks are just not willing to accept. Has Turkey's response modified at all in recent years? Well, it's very interesting because a year ago, then Prime Minister, now President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, went further than any Turkish leader has ever before in expressing his regret and his empathy for the death of Armenians. And indeed, under his government, which has much less invested in the early years of the secular republic, have been advances for Armenians that there hadn't been before in Turkish history. Churches have been rebuilt, property has been refunded. You even are able to say Armenian genocide without fear of prosecution, but indeed publish books about this in a way that wasn't the case before. But this year, in response to this series of shocks, and at a time when Turkey's relations with the rest of the world are getting worse anyway, Turkey's responded to these statements by the Pope, by the European Parliament and others, by talking about a conspiracy, by talking about a lack of fairness. And what you see, to be honest, is a much more confrontational approach by Turkey. On the one hand, it talks of a worldview that sees itself much more, I think, in opposition to the West. And on the other hand, the mere fact of these resolutions, I think, also speaks to the erosion of Turkey's soft power. Turkey's allies and partners sometimes now, I think, have less compunction about labelling this genocide because they get on less well with Turkey. It's also significant in some ways because Christians in the Middle East region are particularly seen to be under attack at the moment. How are those Armenians who remain in Turkey treated? One can make no comparison at all between religious and ethnic minorities state in Turkey today and the cataclysmic campaign of murder against Christians, Yazidis and other minorities in countries like Iraq and Syria and elsewhere in the Middle East. Today in Turkey, there's an Armenian population of perhaps 60,000, another perhaps 40,000 or more Armenian immigrants or illegal immigrants working here for economic reasons. There are churches that have been rebuilt, one very beautiful one on Lake Van. There is a change in social attitudes in Turkey, which goes far beyond the government's official position. People, I think, have really learned from a couple of things there's been an explosion of scholarship. So many people now argue that it is now proven beyond doubt that there was a genocide due to their work on the Turkish archives. And people are much more content to be living in a multi-ethnic society. This isn't talking about all Turks, but I think there's a very fundamental social change in Turkey, which may be much more important than the use of the G word by Turkey's critics. Indeed, one of the people who's talked to me, who works at a weekly called Argos, said... Rather than talking about the Armenian genocide, countries like France should be talking about their legacy in Algeria. Countries like the U.S. should be perhaps talking about the lot of the Native Americans and following the path of Germany and its willingness to confront the unparalleled, awful events of the Holocaust. What's important is for everyone to be open about their past in a way that Turkish critics say it is not yet. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. 
Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.